Hey, thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. Uh, it's interesting this morning, um, as I was just kind of preparing, I was thinking about this series, and I was thinking about the just, just how um, powerful this series can be in our church if we would all just kind of buy into it. And I made a comment in week one, and I want to reiterate, especially if you're new to Journey, maybe you haven't been here part of this series. This is not, this is not about what we want from you. It's not, though it, it is a byproduct, it's not that we want more people volunteering. It's not that we want to have serving, you know, blowout. It's, not that, it's what we want for you. Because we feel like when we reach our mission and purpose, that we are at our best. Ephesians chapter 2, we launched the whole series with that one passive scripture that we are God's workmanship created to do works in Christ Jesus. And right there we see the intention, the purpose, and the mission that God has for every one of us. And so this design by series is really about what you've been designed for and, and, and by who. And, and I don't know, like, we all wear like different shoes. I see some Nikes and I see some, some Under Armour or, uh, you know, some people wear Puma, some people wear, you know, whatever. Every one of those shoes is a design by, and it's designed by somebody. We know somebody designed that for a specific purpose. Like maybe you have a shirt or like it's in every sport. Like you have, like if you're a golfer, you have designed by Titleist or you designed by Callaway. You have whatever, if you're a fisherman, you're designed by Kistler. You're designed, you have all these different design by. Well, we need to understand that because we're part of the kingdom of God, we are designed by God with a purpose. And I don't want to say this, we're branded because some of you would take that wrong, but we have been branded. As a matter of fact, uh, somebody walked up to me last week and said, you have a tattoo. And I said, well, I have multiple tattoos, only one that you can see. And it's this one right here. And it says Mark and it says Galatians. And literally it says, the scripture says, you have been marked, you have been branded by God with a purpose. And so it's one of those deals where from the very kind of beginning of the earth, before you were even formed in your mother's womb, God knew that he made you for a purpose. And I'm going to do a little backfilling because we read through those scriptures in, in, in 1 Corinthians real fast, but I want to highlight and backfill some really important ones in that. And so I want to hit down four or five. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 says, there is one body but it has many parts, but all its many parts make up one body. It's the same with Christ. Drop down to verse 14. So the body is not made up of just one part. It has many parts. Verse 19 and 20. If, if all the parts were the same, how could there be a body as it is? Could you imagine the body, the body walking? We're all left feet, or if we're all noses, or if we were all, you know, whatever, ankles. Like how, how like it would never be able to function. And then it says in verse 24, for the parts that can be shown don't need special care, but God has put together all the parts of the body and he has given more honor to the parts that he didn't have. Verse 25, in that way, the parts of the body will not take sides. All of them will take care of one another. If one part suffers, anybody ever stub their toe? So I've been battling, um, they call it tennis elbow, or it could also be called, because I don't play tennis, uh, golfer's elbow. And what I'm realizing is, so it's in this arm right here. And yesterday I did some outside work because my wife made me do some outside work. And after getting done lifting all these branches and all these logs and everything, I could barely lift my arm up. And honestly, it hurt every other part of my body because of this one little spot right here. And I thank God for the Theragun. I sat there and it seemed to work out, you know, and now I can lift my arm up. But Man, yesterday was a real, like, when one part of the body suffers, everything else suffers. 
And then it goes on to say, you are the body of Christ. Now watch this. I want us all to get this. Each one, every one of you, every one of you, every person in this room, even if you don't believe in Jesus yet, you have a part. It, when, when you come to know Christ, he, he bestows that special gift that you have and the, those, 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 those abilities. But you're the part of the body and each one of us has a gift. And I love Ephesians chapter 4, 16. It says, he makes the whole body fit together. What's that next word? Perfectly, perfectly, as each part does its own special work. I love that little, that little phrase right there, special work. Everybody is important. Everybody has a special job to do. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And so today I'm going to have a lot of points, but they're going to be short, okay? Um, but I, I wanted the first one is, though we're all different, we have a common job. You know, though the, there's hands and feet and noses and ankles, we all have the same job. And what happens, and I've seen this, in, in the real workplace, like in secular, but I've seen it in the church. There's almost this mentality of rugged individualism. Like I can do it all on my own. I don't need anybody to help me. Anybody ever play sports? Raise your hand if you've ever played. Like you need not even like organized, just if, if you've ever played a sport. One of the sports that I like, so after I got out of high school and, and I was in, in, in college, um, I like to play volleyball. Anybody ever play volleyball? So volleyball is a really fun sport. It's a good team sport, right? So there's six people, depending on how you play, but we played in a league uh, after I moved down here, and there was six people on the court, and and we we were going against the champions of the whole entire like the whole entire free world that that next night at the YMCA, and so we're playing this team, and they had the best player um, on the other team, but he was also uh, in some respects the worst player. His name was Bill. So what happened is we get up there and we won. We won. Like we beat the we beat the we beat the brakes off them. That's how bad we beat them, and it was because you know what it was Bill's fault. Now you yourself, well, why? Well, it was Bill's fault because you know what he tried to do? He tried to play every position. He thought he was better than everybody else, so he would he would serve and then he would run up to the net. And there was one point he actually set the ball to himself. I'm like, you can't do that. And they lost because of Bill. And in the world that we live in, in church world, a lot of people have this run, like they think that they're only they're the only person on the team. And, and, and I'll say it this way. I know a lot of people, and I'm not going to point finger. I know a lot of people, uh, their strategy of ministry uh, is stand aside and let me do it. Get out of the way because I can do it better. Listen, I know there's going to be a lot less mistakes if I do it than you do it. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to refer you to a podcast. Uh, it's called The Death of, of Mars Hill. And it's about a church out in the West Coast. Uh, his name is Mark Driscoll, is the pastor, and he's out of ministry. And it's just, it's, it's a disaster right now what's happening. I think he's actually back in ministry. But one of the things they say in this podcast, the reason the church, I'm talking about, they had multiple campuses, 10 or 15 campuses. They had thousands of people coming on, on the weekends to their services. But what happened was he, he is a narcissist and everything revolved around him. So he literally would say, you do what I tell you to do. See, there's no place in the body of Christ for that. In the body of Christ, it says we're fitly joined together, each one to I need Tina to do her part. She needs, needs me to do my I need Michael to do his part, and I need to do my part. As so we understand that when we're fitly joined together, there's no place in the church. There's no place in God's kingdom. Here's what I'm going to say. Play your position. Play your position, whatever it is. If you're called, Jamie, you're a counselor. Counsel, right? I'm a preacher and a leader. Preach and lead. Uh, Tina, you are a great support. Like, 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 like there's people in like, Michael, you do a great job when you're running. Why aren't you running camera this morning? They didn't ask you to. But see, you know what I'm saying? Do what see, he was like, I don't know. But, 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 but like, like do your part, play your position. 
And you know what happens a lot of times? This is off script today. A lot of times people see another position, go, well, that's such a glamorous position. I'm gonna play that. Play what God's called you to play. Don't, don't try to be somebody else. I told you this a couple of weeks ago. I tried to be everybody else but me. And you know what that means you have to do? You have to figure out your today's purpose. Now, you go, what, what do you mean today's purpose? Like, like if you came here in this series thinking that you're going to get a 50-year strategy for your life, you're at the wrong place. Do you know how you get a 50-year strategy for your life? Live 50 years. Because what I've learned is so many people go, I want a long term. You know what? I get little short spurts in my life. I know for this season, I'm doing this for this season. Even a journey, the, the last 19 years, I have, I've switched roles several different times. Like right now, I'm in kind of a more of a, of, of a leadership role where I'm leading leaders right now. I'm empowering next generation leaders. I love doing that. I love, I love leading the church and I love speaking, but, but I'm, I'm realizing that if we're going to be a church that's uh, sustainable, I'm going to I'm gonna have to invest in next, letter, uh, next generation leaders. And so whatever it is, just do your part. Find your today plan. Figure it out because it's really, really important. Uh, Samuel uh, Goldwyn, uh, the founder, one of the co-founders of MGM said this. I love this. I've always considered what I'm doing right now at this time to be the most important thing in the world. So whatever you're doing right now, look at it as it's the most important thing. And whatever you do, understand this. You were designed for greatness. No, you were designed for greatness. You weren't designed... So the world calls greatness something different, right? The world calls it, um, you know, getting money, um, achieving power. When I think about greatness in, in the church, I think of something totally different. So um, I used to be, when I was in high school, I get out of high school, I, I'm going to go to, I want to go to Cook College, Rutgers University, and I didn't have enough money, and so I ended up going to a community college. And so during the time in my community college, I was also, I had to get a part-time job to, um, to sustain my social life. That's all we'll say. Anybody have one of those when they were in college? Just needed to sustain my social life. I didn't care about anything else. I didn't care about having nice cars or retirement account. Uh, just so I, I, I bagged groceries at a, at a place called ShopRite. It's a, it's a Northeastern chain. And so I was bagging groceries. And I, every day I would go, I hate doing this. Well, in the meantime, I became a believer. And I remember my youth pastor telling me, listen, do that job like it's the most important thing and that you'll be doing the rest of life. Do it. And he, he actually quoted a scripture, and I love it when I love it when preachers quote scriptures, right? He's like, do all work as unto the Lord. And I was like, bagging groceries. And you know what I found out? You want to hear the truth about this? I witness to as many people bagging groceries than I do as a preacher right now. Because I had hundreds of people coming through a line that were at my beck and call. However long it took me, that's how long they had to stay there. Right? So if I wanted to really share the whole gospel, I would like milk and I would make, no. In your mission, in our mission, whatever it is that God's called you to do, find your greatness. Find your, grace, your greatness. I love the way John Maxwell said he was asked the question in the conference and they said, somebody said to him, what's, what's wrong with being average? Now, unfortunately, in the world we live in, there's lots of people to ask that, right? Like there's just not a lot of like, what's wrong with being average? I'll just go through life and be average. This is what he said and I love it, it's brilliant. He said, if you're not a Christian, nothing's wrong with being average. Wow. Like, if you're not a Christian, just go on being average. But he says, he says, if you're a Christian, then you must not be content until you've developed the fullest extent of the potential God has given you. In doing this, you bring glory to God and, 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 and be lifted above the average. That's what we're called to do. We're called to be above the average. So that's the very first thing. Understand, understand that we have different parts 
Everybody in this room does different things. We have different functions, but it's all one, one goal. And the second thing is this. I want us to get this. Take inventory of the gifts and the abilities that God has given you. If you have not gone to our website and taken the, the, um, the gifts, uh, uh, the, the assessment, I would encourage you right after church, say, no, don't do it now. But right after church, like I see something like, I'm like, yay, bingo. It's not bingo. So Jesus sends out, listen to this. Jesus sends out his 12 disciples on a mission in Matthew chapter 10. And in Matthew chapter 10, we literally see how the body of Christ works and we see how he empowers and all the things he does and what he wants to do in it. So I'm gonna read from Matthew chapter 10, but I want you to understand that taking inventory of the gifts and abilities that God has given you. Matthew chapter 10, verse one. He says, he called them, uh, uh, called him the 12 disciples and gave them, this is really important. I don't know if it's highlighted on this, it's not, but I have it highlighted in, in, in my notes and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. Verse two, the names of the 12 apostles were first, Simon, who's called Peter, Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, John, his brother, Philip uh, and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot and Judas Iscariot, who would betray him. So it's important that we understand these first couple of verses. What he's saying is, Jesus, before I send you out, he says, I'm gonna put you on a mission, but I also am gonna empower you. So he empowers, he gives them the mission. He says, I gave you authority over all these things to do these certain uh, situations. And, and here's what I gather when I read that passage. I believe God has empowered every person in this room with gifts. I believe you've been empowered. It's just a matter of whether you're using them or not. He's empowered us. So here's the deal. If he's empowered you to be a good, how many people in the room are good organizers? Uh, my hand needs to go down. Good organizers. You know what God's gifted you to do? Organize. This is not science. This is not hard. If God has given you the ability, how many people are great problem solvers? Like you love working logistics. Raise your hands real high. You know what God's called you probably to do? To work at solving problems. How about this? Anybody have musical gifts? Why are you sitting in the chair? Was that too, Mike, was that too abrupt? Should I have like kind of walked? How many people have musical gifts? I think God would love to use your musical gifts. Is that better? Here's the deal. If you have those abilities, you've got to use those abilities. What he has empowered you to do, he will use you to do. Did you hear me? What he's empowered you to do, he wants to use you to do. So begin taking inventory. Frederick Buckner says this, the place God calls you to is the place where your deepest gladness and the world's deepest hunger meet. That's what God's called you to do. Where, where the abilities hit the need in the world, that's right there. That's what God wants to use you in. Here's the next thing. Determine who God is calling you to, uh, to reach. And so many times what happens is we, we want to reach the world. I remember when I first became a Christian, you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to reach the world. But you know what? I realized I wasn't capable of reaching the world. Not at that point. I need to reach the target. And I, I hate even saying this because I don't like when, when we use in the church world, there's a target market. But you want to know something? There's a target market. There's a target market that we're going after. There's a demographic of people that we're looking for. Those that are far away from God and those are close to God. And we're trying to draw the ones that are close to God, engage them in the process of knowing Jesus. And we're trying to tell the lost world that there is a God. There is a Jesus that's out there. I loved it. I don't know if y'all caught it this morning and I was so proud of our worship team. They did an amazing job this morning, didn't they? Like, and if, you, if you're new to journey, like, or maybe you're new to faith, like this morning we did a couple old school songs like, it was, like, amazing. And if, you're, and if you're, like, if you've been around the church world, like, I didn't know many hymns. They're my hymns. 
they're the songs that, of faith that I kind of grew up on. But one of the things I, I like, I was, I was thinking about, like, 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 I love the fact that he said that, and I think um, Lauren read it, like, he's all in all, he's everything. And, and you know, that's what the world needs. That's what the, the, the world needs to hear. The world needs to hear that there's still a God and there's still a Jesus that loves him and cares about him. In verse five, this is what Jesus said to the, the disciples. He said, the, the 12 uh, Jesus sent out to instruct them, go, no, I, I didn't understand. You got to get this. Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He is literally telling them who, who he wants them to go to. Now, at first I read this, I was like, why? Because in Matthew 28, we, he says, go to the world and make, the, make them and baptize in all nations and all that, right? But right now he's saying, I don't want you to go to anybody but this little segmented population. And you know what I think he's saying or why he thinks he's saying? Any good strategist knows you have to start small. Every good strategist, and Jesus was the greatest of all strategists. He knew that the disciples weren't ready to go to the world yet, that there will be a day that he would say, go to the world and make disciples. But at this particular point, they were not ready. You want to know something? Same with us. God wants us to reach everyone, but there's a segment of the population that God has called you specifically to reach. God has called you to reach that segment of the population. And I'm going to tell you something, and this is going to hurt some feelings. Before God, because I hear it all the time. I have people walk in my office and go, God's given me this dream. And I'm like, that's an awesome dream. Start small. God, oh, God's given me a dream. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pastor churches. That's great. Start small. I love it. We have a couple positions in our church right now that are open. I'm not going to tell you what they are because I don't want to get flooded with the emails and everybody pulling me aside. But it's one of those deals where, you know what I'm realizing? So many people that have never been involved in ministry go, I would love to do that. I think I could do that. Start small. God will not give you big until you start small. Do you hear me? When you're faithful with little, he'll give you more. And so many people, all we want is the give me more part. But you know what? I am convinced of this. If that was the case and what I've seen people do, they get the more, they attach to the more, they try to attain the more, and then they end up falling because they're not ready for the more. So, so in this situation, they weren't ready to reach the entire world. So God said, I want you to go this. What's your target market? Which leads me to the next one. Different missions. Everybody in this room has a different mission, but the same message. Did y'all catch that? Different missions, same message. Verse seven. And he says this, and proclaim as you go saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I like the way the NRSV says it. As you proclaim the good news, the kingdom of heaven has come near. See, the heart of the message has always got to be good news. God's message is a message of hope. Somebody say amen to that. Even, even when the Holy Spirit confronts our sin, the nastiness of our lives, it's still a message of hope, isn't it? See, sometimes we make the mistake as church people of falling in the gap or falling in the trenches of that dirty, rotten sin. That, that, that thing that's so awful over here, and we forget to give the hope part. Yes, there is, man, Justin said it again this morning, man. The world seems to be going spiraling out of control, doesn't it? I mean, Ukraine and Russia, and I had a conversation with somebody the other night about um, Africa again, and the Horn of Africa and Djibouti. I just like saying Djibouti in church. I'm just going to let you know that. I can say it, like I, one, one message, I'll just pull it just because it's there. It's, it's a great name. 
But there's all this tension, Somali, I mean, all this tension. And we see the tension in our own world. We see the stuff going on on our borders. We see all that stuff. And it's almost, it's easy to go, why? There's no, there's no hope. And see, that's just the opposite of what we as believers of Jesus Christ should be saying. We should say, great, you are poised. I honestly think, I don't think it's a setback. I think it's a setup. I think God's about to do something in our country that we have never seen, like the Azusa Street revivals of, uh, of earlier generations, like what happens uh, in the revivals that we've read about. I believe God's about to pour out his blessings. Joel says your young men will see, uh, you know, dream dreams and your, you know, like all that stuff. I believe it's about to happen in our world that we live in. And I'm telling you, you better catch on this revival because if you don't catch on to it, you will miss it, I promise you. But it's one of those, like, God's about to do something. I, I love the heart of us. So God has called us to reach a certain group of people. I know one of the groups of people that, that I have during my heart is recovery, people that are in recovery. I had CR people, right? CR people, AA, whatever. I mean, like, I, I, like, I have a heart for them. I, I watched a grandfather, listen, I mean, die alcoholic death. It was awful. And so I have this real special place in my heart. And so that's why years ago we started CR right here. But you know what? It would be easy for a church like us. It would be easy just to kind of point the finger and say all the bad things. And it would like, you know, you're a drug addict. You know, like, they already know they're a drug addict. That's why they're in CR. Right? They already know that. Like, you don't have to tell somebody that, that, that drugs or whatever is going to mess your life up. They already know that it's messed their life up. They're trying to figure out how to get it right. Right? So let's not tell, let's not state the obvious. Let's tell them about the hope of Jesus Christ that because of his, you know, he died for our afflictions that we can have recovery in our lives. How about this? How about this? If I hear one more person say and, and call out the next, that, that next generation, boy, they're useless as a, you know, but I, I'm going to throat punch in Jesus name, somebody. And I know some of you that may offend it, but like, I'm tired of telling the other, the next generation that they're useless. I'm tired of telling them that, that if they don't get off, their, you know, like all this stuff. You know what I'm going to tell them? There's a purpose that God has for you. And when you attain that purpose, you'll find your search for significance. And you'll be, you'll be better than you ever dreamed of being. Because that's what somebody told me. And by the way, we've been saying this about next generations for 50 or 60 years. It doesn't change. We're called with a go- to, to, to give a good hope. Let me give you the next one. The mission is the, your mission, regardless of what you do, you're part of the body, however it looks like for you, whatever your part is, your mission is defined by what you do for others, not for what you do for yourself. Watch this. Verse eight, heal the sick, raise the dead, has nothing to do with you. Cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You receive with pay, give without pay. Jesus was telling them in verse eight that he had empowered them to do verse one. Did y'all catch that? So in verse one, he said, I want you to go cast. Now he's saying, I want you to go do it. I've given you these gifts. Do something with them. The mission that God has called you, the mission that God has called me to do involves always helping people every time. Can you write this down? Ask yourself sometime today, what am I doing with others, the body of Christ, to help others? See if you can answer that question. What are you doing with others, the body of Christ, to help others? And the answer is nothing. Man, let's figure out where you fit in. Let's figure out what part of the body you are. And here's, here's something that, that we, and, and I think uh, we, we live in a kind of a strange world that we talk about self-awareness, but we really, what we really mean is you be self-aware of yourself. Don't worry about me, right? Y'all, y'all, 
But, but one of the things that he's saying here is we, we need to be self-aware and keep our motives in check for what we do. Listen to what he says here in verse eight. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out the demons. You received without paying, give without paying. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey or your two, your two, 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 two. You try to say that 10 times fast, two tunics. Whoo, slow down and back up. No bag for your journey or two tunics or sandals or a staff for the labor deserves his food. Now watch this. Why would he even say that? He's empowering. He's telling them to do these things. Jesus is saying, he's saying two things. He's saying this. One, forget about doing whatever you're doing for him for selfish gain. And he's he's saying this. Forget about personal security. Now, why would he even say those things? And, and, And I know, like, I don't know what it was like a couple thousand years ago. I wasn't there. But I know what it's like right now. The mentality of most human beings is what's in it for me. But what's in it for me? What do I get out of this? Even when we're talking about the church, what, what's in it for me? What will I get out? Will I get a little FaceTime on stage? Will I, you know, what's in it for me? And if we're ever asking ourselves what's in it for us, we're doing it for the wrong reason. If you get the praise and the honor and the accolades, what do we say around here all the time? We're here to make him famous, not make me famous, not make Justin famous, not make you famous. We're here to make him famous. Now, let me give you the last one here. Whatever your mission is, and I'm going to take a little bit of time on this one. Whatever your mission is, do it with the right people. Okay, we talked about fitly joined together, each one doing its part, right? And we talked about not, you know, like the hand doesn't say to the foot, you know, like I'd rather be you. Do, do, do it. And this is what he says. And, and whatever town or village you enter, watch, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. Find worthy people. I've been trying to define worthy, and I think I've defined it in two things. And the first one is loyalty. Now, I know some of you have never heard that word before. It's a word that we don't use much in our world anymore, right? Loyalty. There's, there's, there's very little. And even in the church world, there's not a lot of loyalty. We see it all the time in businesses where somebody goes from one business to another business to another business, and all it's about is getting up that corporate ladder. There's no loyalty. I remember when I left Stevens Creek, who... I, great church in our city. They're doing great things. Um, it was 19 years ago, and I sat up on the stage July of 2003, and Marty, our, the senior pastor, was there, and we had all the elders were there, and they were getting ready to pray over me. And Marty said this. He said, I would like to describe Bobby in one word. I'd like to describe him in one word. I was like, man, sexy, right? <laughs> Apparently, that wasn't it. But he used a word that I have for 19 years, been proud of. And for 13 or 14 years there, he used the word loyal. And that's just not in our world anymore. Several years ago, I went to a friend's church. I actually talked to him this week. They're celebrating their 15th year. And um, he asked me to um, do a video uh, for their church. And I'm so excited about it. But it's the guy that actually led me to Christ, Charlie Ware, led me to Jesus back in 19, a long time ago. But um, I was at his church a couple years ago, and he had this guy leading worship, um, and he was good. I mean, he was he was no Justin Martin. Okay, I just I'm just gonna say that. But they had a guitar player that led one of the songs, and the guitar player was better than the than the worship leader. And I walked up to him because I'm a great strategist, and 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 I can I I know how to destroy a church. 
And so I walked up to him. I said, man, why don't you all switch? They need to switch roles. That guy right there is super duper talented. He can sing and he's amazing with people. Why don't you put him as a worship leader and put him, this guy over here, he goes, could never do it. I said, why? He goes, he helped me start this church. He's been with me for now. It was 13 years, 13 years. He's been with me every step of the way and I went through some struggles. He was right there with me. I would never do that. God would never honor the disloyalty if I did that. I'm like, Bobby, just shut up. And, I, and that's what he's saying. That's what Jesus is telling him. Find loyal people around you. Find, find some people that you can somehow or another latch onto and, and, and do life. There's going to be loyal, even ups and downs in our lives because we're, we're the body fitly joined together. Each one's doing a part. But you want to know sometimes, sometimes we stub a toe, don't we? And sometimes we need somebody to, to pick us up. And at least the second thing is part of this is talent. And I think we should put ourselves around talented people. Now, I don't mean like they sing like, like I mean talented and Jesus-minded and, and, and going a certain direction. I, I, I am getting some coaching because I want to get our church to the next level. And so I'm getting some coaching from a pastor that's pastoring a really large church in Texas. And I asked him a couple questions. And one of the questions, he said, yeah, he said, I, I couldn't do it without Brenda. And I was like, okay, well, what is Brenda's responsibility? He said, she's our, she's our IT person. And I said, oh, ooh, like I, we have an IT person. Like I didn't realize I needed to latch on our IT person, but I'm going to latch on the IT person. He goes, no, 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 you got it all wrong. She dots the I's and crosses the T's. She's my IT person. And I said, whoa, 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 what are you saying? She goes, I couldn't do it without my IT person. In our lives, we have to figure out who's our IT people. Who are the people that are in our lives, in your life, in our church world, that dot the I's and cross the T's? And so over the last couple of weeks, I've been looking at several projects that we're doing around here. And you know what I'm asking myself? Who's the IT person for this? Who's the person that can dot an I and cross the T and make sure every little small detail is taken care of? Because that's what God wants us to do. And, and, and here's the deal. I'm saying all this to say that. Uh, say this. I believe in this room, some of your gifts and talents are IT people. You'll never preach on stage. You'll never sing a song but you will dot I's and cross T's and some of the biggest things that God can do will be done because of your, your thorough outlook on stuff. Find our gift and find our place. That's what this series is about, designed by God. Now, let me give you another one. I'm gonna just, this is not a point. It's not gonna be on the screen. I'm just gonna give you, this is what I've learned. Things don't always work out the way you think they're gonna work out though. Even in church. So I had a, really cool conversation with my daughter that works in Atlanta. And she was frustrated at some, just some stuff going on at their church. And I said, I said, baby, I said, here's the deal. This is what I want you to know. And I'll give everybody the same. This is my dad talk. Okay. Ministry is not all cotton candy, unicorns, and everything goes well. Right. As a matter of fact, after, and she said, dad, how did you stay in ministry for 32 years? And I said, I've tried to eliminate the super highs and try to eliminate the super lows. And at some point or another, you just gotta realize you're doing this for a greater calling. If it was about me and making sure, because sometimes, can I be real honest? What scripture said, as you enter the town, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it's not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your word, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or that town. That sucks. I just tell you? Sometimes it feels like the scar in your back is just healed up and there's another one somebody's digging in. 
Sometimes you invest in people or things or many areas of ministry and they walk off and go somewhere else. It's just part of it. In 32 years, I've realized this. When I'm doing it for the right reasons, God will bless me. When, when we go the right direction that God wants us to, God will... Rich, you're one of our elders. We've seen it over and over again, haven't we? When we lift Jesus high, he draws all men. Not when we lift, lift Bobby high. When we lift Jesus high, he draws all men. But in ministry, and as you're finding out you're designed by, guess what's going to happen? I'm going to let you on before you're going to get hurt. It's just part of it. You know what you do? You move on. You move on. And that doesn't mean you leave church all the time. Sometimes the greatest relationships that I have found out have been relationships restored after a hard period of time in my life where forgiveness has been offered and extended both ways. And we've decided, you know something, we're gonna agree to disagree on that and we're gonna love Jesus. And and one of my closest friends right now is, is a person that, 18 or 19 years ago, we did this right here and stopped talking for a period of about three or four years. But man, I love doing ministry with that person. Move on, just move on. That means we, we, we move on away from our hurt and our bitterness. We just, we just move on. That's the right way. That's the right way to, to do it. Body fitly joined together, each one doing its part. There's two great moments in every person's life. Can I give you them real quick? The, the, the day you were born. Regardless of how you came into the world or why you came into the world, that was a great day. God designed you. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. That's the number one time. The number two is when you realize why you were born. When you realize why you were born, and I'm gonna give you this in a nutshell and we're gonna close out and pray. You were not designed to be a consumer. You were designed to be a contributor. You were designed to do something on this earth, substantial, something of greatness. That's who God designed you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in this moment right here, my prayer is today, whether it's been a song that we have, that we sung today, or if it's a a word that was part of the video, or maybe it was a a smile, maybe it was a word that I used, whatever it was, God, that every person in this room would understand that they were fearfully and wonderfully made. They're part of the body, fitly joined together. God, one body and one purpose. And God, maybe there's even some people here watching online that they're not part of the body yet. They haven't, they haven't crossed that spiritual. Maybe today's the day. Maybe, maybe they're sensing that they want to be part of something greater. I would encourage you right where you're sitting, you have a conversation with the Heavenly Father and just ask Him to come into your life that you want to be a part of that body. And maybe maybe your body's been hurt. Maybe your body's in pain. Maybe it's been addicted. Ask God to start working through those things. God, for others, my prayer has been this for three weeks now, that we would find our place and our purpose, that we would figure out what you've called us to do and we would do it, even if, even if there's been hurt. God, I pray for the next couple of weeks as we continue to uncover that people would understand without a shadow of a doubt, it's not what we want from them. It's really what you want for them. I pray all this in Jesus' name and everyone said, amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or want to talk to someone about taking your next step, 
email us at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.